As you walk through the valley of the shadow of hell, you will see through the fog a bend in reality, a veil that is beyond your own comprehension. It's the other side, beyond the void. That's right, it's episode 322, and we are going to be talking about two very different movies, just random grab bag movies that I wanted to watch, because we couldn't figure out what the fuck to watch. (laughs) And that is Wolfen from 1981, and Dr. Giggles from 1992. That's right, so we're going to be talking about two very different films, there are no... They're not even in the same category as like horror or anything like that. One of them's serious, one of them's not, and one of them is kind of more of a drama, I think, than the other. So yeah, totally. And I think you can figure out which one's which. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Giggles. It's so dramatic. <laughs> anyway, uh, one of them is actually a gift. Doctor Giggles is a gift from our friend Ryan, who is a fan of the podcast, the stream, and of course the YouTube. So thank you, Ryan. Thank you very much, Ryan. I appreciate it very much. You got you kick ass, dude. Fucking love you, man. So we're excited to talk about these movies today. And to give you guys kind of an idea about what these movies are about, Wolfen is a movie that is about sort of an ancient creature. Uh, it's about a town in New York City, a small town. Uh, <laughs> a small town in New York City? <laughs> I just mean a small town. I don't know what I'm saying. Anyway, in New York City, there's a bunch of fucking kit murders happening. I think it's New York City, isn't it? Yeah, it's New York City because it's the Twin Towers. Right. That's right. So there's a bunch of murders that are happening and it is involving a wolf and they don't they're like there's no wolves in new york city so a couple of detectives go out and try to figure out and solve the mystery of what's going on and uh it's uh done in a very classical style of filmmaking it's a very different style uh than you get kind of today it's very very straightforward straight laced and then of course we got dr giggles which is another movie that is kind of done in the Vein of like a slasher film, the classic slasher. Like a campy slasher. Yeah, like the late 80s classic slasher, which in the 90s slasher, you know, where it started to get a little bit more silly, you know, wasn't exactly scary anymore. It was really just kind of like making jokes with the the words and stuff like that. One liners. I'm going to kill people. Is that how it is that one-liners? I'm going to kill people. I don't think I'd say that line I, again. I was referring to what you said before you said that. Oh. <laughs> anyway, I don't know what you're talking about, but I love you nonetheless. Um, but yeah, so uh, it's about a doctor who goes around killing people, essentially. That's really all you need to know. 
both of these movies I think you can watch online. Um, you do have to kind of rent one of them, I think, the Wolfen movie. And then Dr. Giggles and Dr. Giggles just came out on Blu-ray. So um, that's how I got that because it literally just got released this last month. But uh, yeah. So also, by the way, guys, check out the YouTube. We got some, uh, I got a thing coming up here. I'm going to be doing the full haul of movies that I got. I got them from a bunch of different distributions, small boutiques and stuff like that, that I'll be doing kind of like a review of these kind of boutiques and uh, some places that you might be able to pick up some really underground horror or big mainstream movies as well and places that you might want to check out to fill up your library. As I always tell people who are fond of their electronic digital purchases online, yeah, it's cheap, but uh, one day if they decide to change that movie underneath your nose, guess what you're watching what they want you to watch instead of what's on the fucking disc and not only that if that company goes out of business guess what you don't have a movie anymore so this is why we collect this is why collections are important to us because we keep a record a library of stuff that might go away just like many video games isn't that what happened with ultraviolet didn't they go out of business and everybody lost those digital code things uh well there was another company that picked it up movies anywhere did uh picked it up and so did a a couple of other companies that kind of like share the wealth and they're like hey we'll do it you know well we have the licensing to to hold these and but that's the problem is that if one of these companies goes under and they don't do the movie anymore then they don't have any licensing and they don't pay they don't put it up anymore guess what they just yank it offline and people are realizing with amazon and all these other places that guess what their movies are disappearing Right, that, that they, they paid, paid for. for. All you are buying when you do this, guys, your digital libraries that you're collecting, that you're paying low dollars for, is a rental fee until they decide they want to not put it up anymore. I think it's time to start a video cult. I mean, I think and there's already to, one. We need to convert people. Well, a lot of people have been talking about like how Target is like removed all of their Blu-rays and everything like that. So has Walmart. Yeah, and it's like your motherfuckers don't realize what you have until it's gone. And when you start losing your digital movies, then you're going to be like, "Hey, I want my digital, I my I my discs back." Then Just like records. Then they'll start selling them again. Right, but that's the bullshit though is that all of us collectors who already know that have to wait for the crowd of idiots who don't know that. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to call you idiots, but you're dumb, okay? I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm totally kidding. Anyway, but yeah, we just got to, I'm just trying to tell people, anybody that's listening to this podcast is either a collector or understands that at the very least. Most people do, but I don't think people realize, you know, like how important it is to collect things, you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) I'm just saying. How important it is to hoard things. (laughs) Things do not stay forever. They go away. Do you know how many video games that we thought were going to be around forever are gone permanently now? If it, it weren't for people who hacked them and like actually put them on, you know, up online. Books. Nintendo doesn't give a fuck about them. There's many companies that put movie or games out on Nintendo that never uh, don't exist anymore and nobody bought the rights and or somebody bought the rights and just doesn't care about the video games or etc it just happens mm-hmm. and i think it's important to preserve movies and film and art 
And these are art, regardless if you think they are garbage, pure garbage or not. Okay. <laughs> I'm just ranting about it because it's sad to see that all this uh, physical media is going away like this. And, you know, yeah, I'm a collector, so it upsets me. But it should upset you, too, if you like movies, because there's going to come that time where you're going to be like, oh, man, I really want to see that movie. And you know who's going to come to your rescue? One of us motherfuckers who fucking saved the goddamn thing from being obliterated from reality. Okay. People like Vinegar Syndrome, who are, you know, all these boutiques that are keeping copies of these movies digitally to preserve them. Mm-hmm. You know, restore and preserve, whatever. But I don't know. I think it's an important thing, and I think it's an underappreciated thing. So, and I, that's why I like people like, you know, I think it's AFGI and who works with Vinegar Syndrome and all these other places who are really trying to keep film from disappearing. Mm-hmm. So, but then again, you get all these people who are Vinegar Syndrome fans who are, why is this movie so popular? Why are you putting out popular movies? <laughs> it's like, I, and I, like they can't put out every single like movie that's never existed there, there's only a limited amount of movies that <laughs> are on the fringe like that so but um yeah anyway that's uh, your public service announcement save art don't be a fart okay <laughs> anyway christina what else we got going on this week what do we there's new shows coming out there's on new, amazon prime there's, there's new movies coming out yeah that dead ringers TV shows coming out. There was a movie about it, right? Yeah. Did we watch it? I don't well, David Cronenberg did a movie called Dead Ringers back oh, in the day. Oh, okay. And they have a TV show coming out on Amazon, and they're replacing the guys with girls, which they kind of already did in a remake with the Soska sisters. Or no, the Suska sisters did another movie that Cronenberg did. I'm getting confused. But they always wanted to do Dead Ringers, so I always confuse and conflate the two points uh, because they're twins uh-huh. <laughs> and in this movie the twins are kind of like talking to each other in, in weird ways the tv show we watched the trailer for the first time and i know that i had uh one of you guys come into the birthday stream that we did this wednesday this past wednesday which was awesome by the way thank you guys for coming by and celebrating my birthday for me that really meant a lot to me uh i was ready to not even celebrate this year so <laughs> thanks for being there uh, but yeah, we watched it uh, a couple of days after that, and I was like, oh, this looks kind of fun, actually. Mm-hmm. I honestly thought the original movie, as creative and thoughtful and interesting as it is, the topic, the movie's a little slow. It's a little it's a little hard to swallow. It's There's no not much sugar mm-hmm. <laughs> and a lot of like dry roughage that you're basically trying to take uh-huh. with the medicine, and it, and it doesn't really do for me what a lot of people like about it. It's mm-hmm. not that it's a bad movie. It's just not for me in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, but this new show feels like it's got a little bit of air, like a like something, a buoyancy about it that is kind of interesting. And like the dialogue between Mary Masterson. Is it Mary Masterson, I think? Oh, I don't know. Two. She's playing the same. She's playing a twin and her twin. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but she's really, she's a really great actress. And. Some of the writing feels very cool. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, like, kind of into it. So it may be a good TV show after all, mm-hmm. uh, if you weren't a fan of Dead Ringers. A lot of people say they are. I don't I don't know. It's just not for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Have you ever seen Dead Ringers? The no, I don't think so. No. I, don't I don't like remember. everything that David Cronenberg does. You know what I mean? Yeah, well. It's the same thing as I don't like everything that John Carpenter has done either. You know? Right. 
but you know they all have their turds i guess but some some people like turds <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what i'm saying <laughs> that sounds terrible no i don't think they're I, I don't i don't think they're turds they just everybody has their own you know misfires their things that they that maybe didn't other people don't like about their style that they like about other films in their catalog. Right. And, and David Cronenberg has a wide catalog of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, some of his earlier stuff is a little bit more like super early stuff because he did a lot of stuff before he was recognized. Mm-hmm. And some of his early, 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 early stuff is kind of high concept, low budget. Um, you know what I mean? But also kind of simple in, a, in the same regard. Mm-hmm. So, and I don't think he had the money to really do it, but that's also where his creativity came into and then when he started to get the money, he was able to do stuff with it, like Videodrome, Existence, Naked Lunch, which are some of my favorite movies of his. Mm-hmm. You know, I like other ones that he's done, but those ones in particular are like my favorite three. Mm-hmm. Like, I've just adore those. But same thing with David Lynch. Same thing with everybody else. You know, everybody mm-hmm. has their favorites. And next, what is it, this week, Christina? Or is, no, we're going to see Renfield this week. Renfield this week. Also, the Pope's Exorcism comes out. We want to see it, but we're not sure we're going to be able to. Yeah, we got to see if we can. We only have so much money. And and then the following week, I did get Evil Dead Rise tickets. Right. Opening night. Which we got, like, (laughs) screeners uh, for, like a screener pass for. Which is but a f- it's a first come first serve screener yeah. pass, which means you need to get there like two, three hours early, and I don't do that anymore. Yeah, uh, it's too much. Yeah, at least for me, it is. You know, like I'd rather just not be in a rush, right? Not wait around and then be told, "Hey, you were the last person. Sorry." Right. Well, usually when you get there, you know if you're going to get in or not. Well, oftentimes they'll also give you free passes to the theater sometimes. No, get- not anymore. They haven't done that in a long time. Really? Okay. Yeah. Well, I used pe- to work- too many people show up. When I used to work for the New Times, they used to do that. Oh, that's a long time ago. Right. But I used to get free passes all the time from the department over there. Right, right. So they'd be like, here you go. Anybody want some free passes to go see a movie? And I'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, they hand them out to everybody, but it's just to kind of get the buzz going. Right. And man, have they been trying to churn the buzz on this Evil Dead thing. Right. So far, we've got really high scores, which is pretty good but as soon as i see the trailer i literally i just turn it off mm-hmm. and i know we're gonna see the trailer in the renfield one mm-hmm. i know we will oh yeah totally and i don't want to see anymore i don't want to see anymore close, <laughs> close your eyes bitch i can't close off my i can't close your it's, eyes. it's impossible it's like trying to you know say that don't look at santa when i he's... think it's exciting this time i think it's exciting usually i don't even really like trailers but but this one was a really good one yeah it's a good trailer i'm excited yeah think so i'm hoping it's bigger than it looks like that's my only thing what and i mean? want that to be a surprise if it is you mean the plot or the, the scariness the setting or? oh okay because i don't want it to be just four people in an apartment it didn't look like that in right but that's what i'm saying like i want it to be bigger i want it to take over the entire apartment what was the budget oh i don't know i didn't look that up but what i'm saying is is that you can't have an evil dead rise movie in a high rise or Evil Dead going up in a in a building without it being part of the entire building. Maybe we should watch Quarantine. I feel like we should watch Demons too. Oh yeah. And I forgot that was I just rewatched the we just rewatched Evil Dead. Mm-hmm. The remake, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, we did. For Halloween we did. <sighs> Cuz we got that on 4K too. Yeah. I think that was Ryan too, wasn't it? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> Treat us so well, Daddy. (laughs) (laughs) 
Anyway. <laughs> I think it might be that time. What time is it? Horse shots! All right, so this one's going to be dedicated to Dr. Giggs, as I'm calling him throughout this fucking episode as I wrote it down. Because I got tired of writing Dr. Giggles over and over and over again. I, I was writing Dr. G. Uh, yeah, I was I was like Giggs, Giggy. Dear G. D, uh, Dirge. Dirge. Dirge? Dirge. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so this one's Dr. Giggles shot and is based off the movie from 1992. It uh, In the movie, there's just so many fucking jokes that are like geared towards like doctors and like they're you know we'll, we'll get into uh, the quality of these jokes and how repetitious they are or if they get better by the end of the movie but let's just say we wanted to pick something that would be along the lines so this is a booster shot uh-huh. which i thought was absolutely fantastic Perfect. and reason why it fits so well is because i decided the ingredients before we came up with the name Mm-hmm. And I had to go looking online for doctor's terminology and things. And I was like, oh, booster shot. Okay. <laughs> so. Perfect. Yeah, it's exactly perfect because in this movie is coffee. Boost. Get it? Ah, booster shot. I'm a fucking goddamn genius. Anyway, so in this shot, we have three ingredients. We have cold brew coffee so not cold iced coffee okay talking cold brew we cold brew our own coffee yeah we cold brew our own coffee where you let your like cold brew grounds sit in a tub of water for like 24 hours or longer they Mm -hmm. say longer is better um 48 hours sometimes people do usually we do 48 yeah, but if you're if you need something, I mean the coffee grounds are you can buy cold brew grounds and get a cold brewer, which is just like an iced tea maker with a big filter in the middle. Um, try it out; it's actually pretty strong coffee. Yeah, you won't need much, and uh, it'll last forever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's highly addictive, so just FYI. Anyway, cold brew coffee, one third, one third Captain's Morgan, and Captain. one third Captain Morgan. Whatever. One third rum chata. So it's essentially two different types of rum with the chata and then a little bit of the the coffee. And that is a booster shot. So we're going to go ahead and do that right now. What are we supposed to say? Oh, here, take two and call me in the morning. (laughs) How bad? It's, It's good. It's actually pretty good. I love rum chata. I don't understand why you don't like it. I do like it, but we just can't put it in every goddamn drink. (laughs) That's what you want to do is put it in every goddamn drink. I think there was like three episodes where we had rum chata for three episodes. And I was like, okay, Christina, we got to go elsewhere now. That's not true. Anyway, if you would like to try a delicious booster shot, all you have to do, unless you're an anti-coffee person. (laughs) Anti-coffee person. Anti-caffer. Is that what they call it? <laughs> you can use decaf, I guess. There's probably some decaf cold brew. Anyway, I'm joking around. <laughs> I'm trying to edge around the word with the XX. Anyway, uh, so if you would love to try a booster shot, all you have to do is go to longlivethevoid.com and check out our hashtag horror shots section now. That's it for horror shots. All right, guys. So now we're going to jump into our flesh and potatoes of Wolfen from 1981 and Dr. Giggles from 1992. (laughs) Right now. 
right, Christina did the work on this one, so go ahead and kick it off. Wolfin from 1981, New York City police investigator Dewey. New York City. <laughs> we saw. We actually saw the commercial, by the way, for that. Oh yeah, we did. It was funny. The paste the picante sauce. Yeah, we Sitting were watching the old. Diner. We were watching old 80s, 90s commercials, and we were like, oh my god. <laughs> anyway. A New York City police investigator, Dewey, is trying to solve a series of grisly deaths in which the victims have seemingly been maimed by feral animals. He teams up with a, with an expert criminologist, Rebecca, and together they stumble upon a band of inner city Native Americans who warns them of a wolf-like mythical creature that could offer a shocking solution to this disturbing case. <gasps> <laughs> Tagline. It will tear the scream from your throat. Oh, I thought it was going to be, stop blaming natives. Because <laughs> <laughs> well, it's kind of what this theme, yeah, that the theme of the too, movie yeah. is. Yeah, It's a, it's a sort of a parable, right? Yeah. Where they like kind of like take what the Native Americans went through and now put the people who are building cities in. Anyway. Right. You'll see. Uh, okay. Written and directed by Michael Wadley. Uh, he's a cinematographer and director known mm-hmm. for Woodstock from 1970. Who's that knocking on my door from 1967? And the 1999, he did a documentary called Jimi Hendrix Live at Woodstock. Yeah, he did a lot of like, yeah, That was a big one. He was, he's a hippie for sure. For sure. But he's a great cinematographer, man. Like, yeah. He's, he's good. Like, you can tell. Right. Especially for music stuff. Right. Uh, this is based on a novel written by Whitley... Streber, uh, Striber, Striber, who also wrote The Hunger and Communion. I knew it. Yeah, because you said, "Is does somebody the Hunger? What's the? It was the imagery and stuff." But anyway, we'll, get well I saw the name and I just it rang a bell and I was like, "Oh yeah, that's right." Because oh. when we watched The Hunger, we talked about Wolfen and wanting to do Wolfen. Oh, okay, and that was a while. ago. Yeah, because so. there's a Blu-ray out that had Wolfen, The Hunger, and like. Innocent Blood and all this other shit on the on the right, like four movies that you can't get anymore now. I didn't do that episode with you. That's right. Oh, uh, we're still talking about that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ah! Okay. Anyway. Okay. Also, a screenwriter credit on this is from David Iyer, who wrote Pastime from 1990 and Cattle Annie and Little Britches Bitches from like- 1980. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, and then starring Albert Finney, who plays Dewey, we reckon. Huge actor, by the way. Yeah, he's been in a lot of stuff. We recognized him, or Alex recognized him for Big Fish. Yeah, he was the father that was dying. He was in the original Murder on the Orient Express. Mm-hmm. He was in Aaron Brockovich, The Born Legacy, Ocean's Twelve, and like a bunch of stuff. Dude, he's got he's like a man of many faces. It's hard. Like once you yeah. see him, he's really young in this movie. It feels like, mm-hmm. but you've seen him in something. You'll know. You'll have a familiarity about him. Mm-hmm. He kind of reminds me of Greg. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Doesn't he? Yeah, he does. He's great. You're our buddy Nick's dad. <laughs> it's kind of weird. Like, he has that kind of swagger about him, right? Like, mm-hmm. kind of, I don't give a fuck. Right. Yeah. All right. Diane Venora plays Rebecca. Mm-hmm. She was in Breaking Dawn from 2004. Romeo and Juliet from 1996, the one with Leonardo DiCaprio. Right. That's the Diggs. one that your your nephews want to watch. Yeah. Well, no, I recently watched it with him. He had oh, a, that's right. He had to watch it for a play that he's doing. Okay. It's fun. Um, and then she was also in the Thirteenth Warrior. Okay. With Antonio Banderas. Uh, Banderas. We, we also have Edward James Olmos, mm-hmm. who plays Eddie. 
from Battlestar Galactica. He was also a Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. 1982, and he was in the newer one from 2017. He was in Splinter from Love 2006. That movie. And more recently, he stars in that Mayans MC. Yeah, a lot of people are in that, uh, though. Yeah, uh, show. Splinter's uh, dope. Yeah, that's a good movie. All right, we got Gregory Hines, who plays Whittington. Uh, he was in Running Scared from 1996, Waiting to Exhale. Dude, Gregory Hines was huge in the 80s. Yeah, he was in a bunch of shows. Yeah. Uh, Tom Noonan plays Ferguson. Uh, instantly, Alex was like, he's the guy from Manhunter. Don't you remember? He's the guy from Manhunter. Yeah. And, and, and obviously, shit. Frankenstein in. In the Monster Squad. Yeah. And Robocop 2 and House of the Devil. Yeah, he was in Robocop 2. He was the fucking robot that was hungry for fucking drugs all the time. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Kane yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Kane. Yeah. Uh, the budget on this movie was seventeen million dollars. Good lord! It grossed ten million dollars. Opening weekend, it made three million dollars. How many people were interested in seeing it? Oh, uh, I don't know. What? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I guess. Not, not, not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, clearly, well, this came out during like oh, all the werewolf stuff, huh? It was like I just rampant. don't think it was it was werewolf enough for people yeah oh yeah totally see that but uh what did you think of the film alex well i actually have never seen this movie i remember seeing commercials about it or you know i always bump around uh into it when i'm watching or looking for other films like i said we watched the hunger and this movie popped up because obviously the the writer of the original novel or book or whatever is is you know part of this as well and honestly i think this is a very competently shot and made a horror movie you know it's it's a little bit more of a crime drama horror um you know there's a lot of sleuthery going on about why everybody's dying it's got the typical sort of late 70s early 80s you know police detective story you know, trying to track this shit down, you know, very reminiscent of something like Hannibal and that kind of style as well. It's shot so beautifully. Like, it really is a, a very well shot movie, I think. Like, it's done in like a Godfather sort of style uh, way. Very classic style cinematography and shooting films. And, you know, it's not a low budget looking film in the least. You may not recognize all the stars. You may not, you know, it's an, from an older time. But, you know, it has some cool things in it. There is definitely some gore, um, not exactly, you know, in camera all the time, but it's there and you do get to see a few limbs, you know, thrown from here to here, dead bodies. And, you know, it's an interesting story, probably a very unique one that just isn't all that appealing to everyone. It's a... kind of in a way reminds me of the retaliation or sort of the um just desserts of something like the prophecy where the company is pouring all these liquids into the riverbeds and it's causing the fish and like the wildlife to go and turn into hulking beasts and remember they find that tadpole that's like the size of a fucking watermelon oh yeah and it's like then the bear goes crazy and it's like killing everybody and swatting kids out of their sleeping bags <laughs> against <laughs> rocks and shit, which is that movie is wild if you like that kind of stuff. But it also has a na- native theme to it as well, where the natives are like, hey, 
we keep warning you motherfuckers that you're ruining the fucking planet and that you're ruining everything here and you're destroying it and that it's going to come back to bite you. And that's this type of movie. It's a, it's a sort of like, hey, you know, you get what you, you reap what you sow. Mm-hmm. And even, you know, you think in your mind, and I think definitely back in this time, you know, they were kind of pointing at the natives in this movie as like the culprits of everything that's happening because they really do kind of make it seem that way. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they were kind of playing with the sort of stereotypes and the sort of uh, racist uh, potential in, in the movie, even though there's a, a wide swath of different people of color. And, you know, it's a very big color palette of people and diverse groups of people. Mm-hmm. But it's really kind of an interesting story regardless, because I don't know anything about Wolfen and what that is and the spirit and all this other stuff. But they they eventually get to it, and uh, it, I don't know if it really lands so much, but it is kind of sort of an interesting tale of, uh, you know, how cities are built over forests and stuff like that. It's got, like, a very native slash, you know, I don't know, Viking-esque feel to it in that regard, where it's, like, nature versus the future. Mm-hmm. And uh, the setting is cool because it's all done in the city, you know, but in like a broken down, like development area where they're literally taking down buildings and they're going to build something on top of it. And uh, these creatures, these wolves or whatever are living in this land and they are fucking ultra violent. They are no joke. And it's, uh, you know, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting story, but it's kind of boring, a little slow. And, you know, it. I don't think it's terrible, but I don't think many people are going to grab onto it as much, even if it does have competent shooting and competent acting and, you know, different characters and a wide color palette. It's just, I don't know. It's not enough werewolf for people. Right. And I think that the idea it, by the end, when you when you get it all revealed to you, is a little lackluster. But, Completely. you know, I think it's still worth a watch. Uh, maybe like on a Sunday afternoon, if it were playing in the background and, you know, just happened to be on TV. I think it's above average, but, you know, it's an older movie, so it's already going to come down for a lot of people. But I would say a 5.5, maybe a 6 at most, um, even though it is like shot in like a 7 or 8 category, you know? Mm-hmm. What do you think? Oh, yes. The best thing about this whole movie is I love seeing New York in the probably late 70s early 80s because it's so different now and i love this abandoned part that they were filming in it was because you don't see yeah the the buildings where they're 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 breaking them down yeah yeah it was really cool they do that and i was mentioning that they do it in the uh movie street trash where they have like these uh, abandoned areas where like they're gonna redevelop right but they're tearing everything down and stuff but yeah the uh, it was really, really slow for me. Um, it, it was also, it was also though, kind of cool watching. It, you said it was like a cop m- movie, and it was kind of cool c- to watch like the detective because it's like a detective story, right. and you know, it's like they don't have DNA testing and they don't have computers, like right. they don't have technology, so they actually have to work. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they actually have well, to. Well, like, they do mention something in the movie that I was like didn't know and that is that if you use something to cut somebody that all metal leaves traces of metal behind yeah so that when you do an x-ray it actually it shows. shows up yeah. yeah 
Yeah, that I true. thought was really unique and interesting. Yeah, but yeah, that's, but that's kind of cool to see because you know you don't see that anymore right. in like newer movies and stuff, which is fine. Um, but the imagery was really weird. It had this predator vibe. Like anytime oh, yeah. it was like the wolf, like the wolf was like hunting the people. It was like that the was predator. the time though. They were trying yeah. to do cool tra- camera tricks with that stuff. It was yeah, like the it cheapest. Kind of like uh, yeah. like. But that's the vibe I got off of that. It's more of a thriller. Well, they even used that same technology that you're mentioning, the heat signature thing. Yeah. In the movie. Right. It's a different thing, though. They're, when they have this technology in the movie where they can tell if someone's lying or not. And it's total bullshit, but it, it was cool how they were explaining it. Yeah. Even though it's probably made up. But, it is, yeah. But it's fine. Yeah, that was cool. Uh, it's more of a thriller. I don't, I don't like the plot. Well, I kind of like, I don't know, I'm conflicted right. about Right, see, them. that's yeah, what I'm saying. See, it's yeah. hard to talk about. It's, it's like, like, it's interesting because it's unique and original. I've never seen anything like it. Right, but I wish there was more werewolf. I wish there was more lore. I think I would have rather have seen it um, from the perspective of the working um, people, like the guys up on the bridge and stuff, than the detectives. But I understand why they did it that way. And right. Then, but, um, yeah, uh, yeah. And not so much of a predator perspective and actually seeing a werewolf or seeing a transformation. Instead, they just use like real wolves. Did, you, did, you, did anything else strike you about the, the movie, other aspects of it? Like I was saying, I liked how it was shot and it was cinematography was really good. Yeah, because like, all the, the director the of photography, city, all the city scenes were really cool. I loved the scene when they were on the bridge. Oh, yeah. When the detective goes on the bridge, I was like, how, oh, the Brooklyn Bridge, like, how did they like con? you know the city and letting them do that i don't know crazy you could tell he was genuinely scared oh yeah because like they they were legit this that it was not a set like they were on the top of the bridge and like he had to climb up the bridge that was a really there was a couple of uh, pretty intense scenes in that in the movie but they weren't like yeah they didn't save the movie i wouldn't watch this again right overall but i gave it a five out of ten i could see older people who saw it maybe like really appreciating it as like an undercover gem that like a sleeper that nobody knew about Mm -hmm. you know just for being different you know i love the dichotomy of the you know the old uh mythical creatures and the city yeah i like that and obviously they were emerging because they were tearing down like a part of the city so the these creatures emerged i mean get their land back 17 million dollars ain't ain't cheap back then you know? It must have been because they filmed it in New York. Yeah, well, the, no, yeah, pay, yeah. And they had to pay. 100%. But, I mean, $17 million back then with inflation, what, $50, 60000000 million? Yeah, that's a lot. That is a lot of money. So it is a good-looking picture. It's just not a very interesting, not a very, uh, it doesn't carry you to the end very well. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, so. Um, we do have some trivia on this. So you give it a what? Five. Uh, I give it a 5.5, so we'll call it 5.25. It could go higher for some people. Like I get vibes of uh, God told me to in the movie, like the way it's shot and stuff like that. Um, I also like the detective side of it, which is interesting. Uh, but I also get like a vibe of like the hunger in it too, because there's a very artistic thing about it as well. Yeah. So there may be people out there that might think it's a six, maybe even a seven. But I just don't, for us, I just it just kind of fell flat a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I would love to hear from you guys if you've seen the movie. So please shout out in the comments down below. We're going to get into our spoilers section, talk about some of the trivia and also some of the scenes that uh, we enjoyed in the film as well. 
There is a shitty copy on YouTube if you want to watch it, um, but if you want to check it out, you can actually rent it for like three bucks on any of the rental places digitally. Um, and I think you can buy it for like 10 bucks, but uh, you can also try to find the Blu-ray if you want, but that's going to be a little bit, uh, a little bit difficult. So, but if you don't want anything spoiled, here's your warning. So you were mentioning how the movie was using sort of this imaging in when the wearer in the werewolf eyes or the wolf eyes or the ancient wolf eyes. Technically it's a wolf. Well, ancient it's, wolf. Yeah, it's just a wolf. It's wolf in. Not, not werewolf. Yeah, just wolf. Yeah. So this is the first film that the movie was to use thermographic visual photographic look to represent the point of view of a character. In this case, the wolf in. The type of effect shot has been used in other number of movies to show the point of view of a character, usually villainous, like a beast. One notable example polarizing for this is obviously the Predator films, like you mentioned. So, But this one looks a little bit more bluer, silver. Uh, I think that was intentional. Um, they probably drowned out the colors in it or something mm -hmm. to kind of give it that look because it might have been too colorful. Oh. But they did use thermographicking when they were looking at those people's heads to see if they were lying. Mm -hmm. So according to the director, though, Michael Wadley, a uh, dozen police sharpshooters were employed and positioned all over the place as the wolves were considered wild and uncontrollable animals. So they used real wolves in this movie, and the sharpshooters were ordered to shoot to kill if a wolf got out of the enclosed area. Oh, my God. Because they didn't want them running around in the city, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Scared out of their minds and attacking children, probably. Mm -hmm. You know? <laughs> um, this is the first film that was an ad adaptation of Whitley Stryber novel. You know, obviously, the, the communion and the hunger came afterwards. So originally they shot this film, all the effects and everything for it, but um, they had to throw them out because they were unusable and the filmmakers had to hire another effects company to basically handle Ooh, them. That's money. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sure that's that cost the movie a lot, too. And it didn't do well in the box office. So you can imagine that didn't help. Ugh. They were using what they called at the time to kind of promote this film. It was, you know, how we have like Dolby Atmos or we have like. What's the big one now? The 4D? Oh, I don't know. 3D sound? I don't pay attention. No, you know what I'm talking about, where they have the speakers on the ceiling. It's yeah, but I don't know what it's called. 4D theater or something, or mega theater, whatever. Anyway, they were using something very similar at the time called mega sound, which is a sound system format. Mega sound was like a, the movie theater sound system that Warner Brothers created in the 1980s. It was used to enhance the premiere engagements of like different Warner Brothers features. Mm -hmm. And so they equipped the theater with mega sound, had additional speakers mounted on the left, right, rear walls and auditorium and selected the soundtrack events with lots of low frequency content like thuds, crashes, explosions, etc. cetera. Uh, when the uh, scenes of the movies, they would time them up with the, the scenes of the movies to give an impact of it. So mm -hmm. gave it a more interesting feel to the movie. Speaking on some of the people that were in this movie, um, there was a lot of people that were unknown, you know, not really known. And uh -huh. that was intentional because he wanted to cast, you know, unknowns or, you know, or people that appeared on Broadway, like Diana, like Diane Venora, who beat over 200 actresses for the part and Gregory Hines. So. Oh, wow. This is around, like you said, the time where the, a lot of these werewolf movies were coming out, too. So, And I think that probably had something to do with its failure. 
as well. Because they were like, oh, wolf movie, wolf movie. We can just do a wolf movie. But that's why it's not enough werewolf or wolf, so to speak, for the people who had a, a you know, craveable taste, maybe. But this is one of the first ones uh, that came out. And then The Howling and then Teen Wolf and Howling 2 and Full Moon High and all these other ones came out directly after it. So mm-hmm. it just was ahead of its time in a way. Right. And I think if it would have been put out, at the time or after, it would have done as poorly as I was con- assuming anyway. Yeah, yeah. So Albert Finney, the main star of the movie, who's pretty flippant about everything, he and Gregory Hines used to hang out a lot together before developing, you know, the camaraderie that they have on film. Mm-hmm. So a lot of that is real. Mm-hmm. That's their friendship that they actually had. Wow. And uh, they, it was his choice, Albert Finney, to, to have that too because he wanted to... He wanted the impact of Gregory Hines' death to be a little bit more impactful. Uh-huh. So he was a very thoughtful actor, you know, which is pretty cool for its time, especially. But not surprising because people did actually take it that seriously back then, too. Mm-hmm. You just may not hear about it today, but right. uh, some some actors do still. So the book actually ends with a, sort of a different thing. It's It's about... The world discovering the truth about the wolfen, which implies that they will all eventually be hunted down and killed and made extinct. Mm-hmm. So wolfen, you know, basically was originally used by the Dutch farmers who settled in America to describe the Indians and the wolves as wild animals. Oh. And the original script for the film opens in the 17th century. So it's kind of like they skip that part and jump right into the city. Mm-hmm. Tom Waits is in this movie as well. He is? He was in the bar. Uh, the bar oh. scene that gets all fucking crazy there. Uh, as a, He's one of the drunken bar owner. Of course he is. Yeah. I thought that was kind of cool. That is cool. I didn't recognize him, but, you know, this is an early, a really young film for him. Yeah. Young-ish. But he was, a real, uh, he was like a New York artist. Right. Folk singer. Yeah, yeah. So it makes sense he'd be in this. Obviously, a lot of the terminology that they're using about Canis Lupus is actually real terminology from Grey Wolf, basically. Um, Another werewolf film would use real wolves as well, like Blood and Chocolate. But Canis Lupus is in there just like this this film, and they would primarily use Canis Rufus for red wolves. Oh. So it's a, a subspecies of wolf, but they use it kind of to make it legitimized in this movie. Mm-hmm. But so when we were talking about the different areas of where the buildings were being torn down and everything like that, mm-hmm. part of the reason why is because when the movie was being filmed, major parts of New York's boroughs were undergoing a regentrification, which is oh. what that's called essentially. This is incorporated into the story that if First Nations NAM protesters and ironworker Skywalkers were skin changers or werewolves and worked high-rise constructions by day and hid in the ruins of Queens and hunted in the inhabitants of New York City by night, thus creating a police investigation. Uh So that's why they used that. I thought that part of of the movie was actually really cool Uh because I never really looked at it. You don't really think of the city and think of like hunting grounds and stuff like that, Uh unless you watch Predator (laughs) 2. 
<laughs> Which you know there really isn't that many movies that are like that though. But I right. really I really like that idea in the in the city to kind of give it that old flair, sort of earthen kind of feel with like the the new modern sort of city thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of interesting to hide something in in the middle of the the city like mm-hmm. that. I think that's very cool. Kind of like Candyman and like all, all these other things, you know. Mm-hmm. Um. So, but yeah, I thought that was interesting. And then let's see. In the very beginning of the movie, you see Eddie Holt spinning around the item on top of his on top of a building. The three natives that are up right. there, the indigenous people. Mm-hmm. He's using what is called a bull roar, roarer, like bull roar. Oh, okay. On top of the bridge at the start of the movie, an ancient instrument found in Europe, Asia, Africa, and the Americas and Australia. I've seen it in Australia, and mm-hmm. I think in Africa I've seen them do that. Mm-hmm. But I never knew that's what that was. Oh, okay. So Waking up shit, stirring yeah. up some shit. Well, it sounds, you know, they kind of like lay on it pretty heavy in this movie. It's like. Yeah, oh yeah. But yeah, that's pretty much it. There, There's uh, other trivia, but I just, you know, that was the stuff that I found most interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, that you'll see in the film and wonder maybe about. Right. Um, a lot of the characters in this movie, we really, I should have talked about that a little bit more. I did like how distinct they were and very different. So when yeah. I say colorful, I don't just mean like physically. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really, you know, like the the lady, it's a very progressive style movie in a lot of ways, yeah. you know, but so is New York. Yeah, it was New York though. Right, because it's just a town full of in- immigrants. Yeah. So it's just everybody, whether you've been there before immigrants came or not. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's interesting to look at that world in that that way. And I really like that about this movie because you got the strong female lead, uh, Diane Verona, who mm-hmm. this was, you know, her first feature film. Like, this is her breakout film. Right. And she fucking nailed it, dude. She was good. She was a natural. She really was. Like, she played strong. Yeah, totally. Uh, and, you know, he's, what's his name? He's the troubled cop who went through, like, a death. And it, what was his wife died or something like that? Something. I don't remember. Yeah. They, they fuck in really. the movie, which was kind of awkward and weird. Yeah, it was weird. Because that's, like, a trope in all those movies back in the day. I got it. Everybody needs to fall in love with each other. Well, the detective and the other person who's working on the case always end up fucking. Literally in every single one of these right. types of movies like this. Right. Do you ever notice that? Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> it's annoying. Um, I mean, I don't know think it's that. I mean, it's not that frequent, I guess, but it is kind of a tropey thing. It's a tropey thing. Yeah. But I can't, but you know, it's kind of also part of the whole like, you know, crime drama thing, you know. I don't mm-hmm. know. You got to add a bunch of stuff in there to try to make it an over, you know, all-around picture film, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, is there a scene we we talked about them going up on the bridge and how intense that was because at one point Eddie Holt removes his safety harness on top of the thing and he's like, well, that would be really bad, Eddie. Right. You know, if I were to fall or something like that, and he's like, would you? Would it? So he unlatches his fucking thing and he just smiles at him and he's like, and then he tells him that he can change into animals if he wants. <laughs> and that he could fly like a hawk and he could just jump off of there. You just gotta And he was like believe it. You just gotta believe. Right. And he's like, Oh, or how about like a wolf, Eddie? And then he just looks at him like and you're like, Oh wait, is he the wolf? Like what's going on right now? Right. And he's like, Yeah, maybe a wolf too. I mean, whatever, man. <laughs> but later on there's this really fucking odd scene where fucking Eddie Holt is stripped down naked. He strips down naked in front of the cop. There's a lot of naked guys in this. It's nice. Yeah, they like running around like with their flip flaps all hanging out. Flipping to flopping. <laughs> you can hear him running. Ew, don't make the noise. <laughs> 
Anyway, so. Anyways, I don't know. I thought it was a really odd scene. That was like one of the big ones there. I also like the very intro scene where the three people are attacked. Ah, uh, the very intro, the Borzo dog, which you don't see that dog too often. My sister has that breed of dog. It's called a boar. I pulled it up. Oh, the let me yep. do it for you. The let me do it for you, dog. TikTok uh, extravaganza. Meme, the meme with the long nose. She the wouldn't dog looks shut like the fuck up about that song when the movie was playing. Yeah, I, I said that for about 10 minutes <laughs> until the dog died. I think the wolf like, well, ate the dog. Well, they didn't kill the dog. They didn't oh, I thought they the did. Do- no, it just runs off. Oh, okay. Remember, well, he good. gets scared. He gets spooked by something and it runs off because like, there's like three wolves and you don't know who it is and they make it intent on three different people three different wolves because there's three different natives that are working on the construction site so they keep leaning heavy on pointing it to them right one of my other favorite scenes and i think it's probably the best scene in the movie and i think it deserves it kind of makes it elevates this movie a little bit more in my opinion you know like maybe i'm being a little a little rough on this movie because i just didn't personally enjoy it but i don't hate it you know what i mean right. it's, not, it's like um there's a scene where dewey's character dewey uh wilson goes into the bar where a lot of these natives or indigenous people hang out the construction workers and such and it's a really fucking intense scene because he Wilson has lost his partner Gregory Hines, who have decided that they are going to go and hunt and kill the mythical creature mm-hmm. or creatures, and they think it's just one, but they find out it's a lot it's more like than a just bunch. one. Yeah, it's a wolf pack. And somehow Wilson Dewey Wilson, the the main guy in this movie, he survives barely. He gets scratched up pretty heavily, and he's fucked up. He makes it into the bar and sits down with the three people, Eddie Holt and his close buddies, and a whole room full of other indigenous people who are working in that area. And he doesn't really say much. Mm-hmm. And then Eddie just starts talking. He was like, it's not wolves. It's wolfing. And then he just goes into the whole story about why he's affected by it. He's like, you know, you guys built this city over top of their land. So now they've made this their home. You know, and like you've basically built over nature and this is nature coming back to bite you. Literally. He's like, and it's well out of our hands and it was well here before here before your religion mm-hmm. and well before ours. You know what I mean? So it's like he was like tens of thousands of years. And I thought it was a really intense scene. Yeah. And, and even some of the other guys in the fucking bar are like, yeah, yeah. And all that other native bullshit that we don't believe in anymore. <laughs> And it's like, and they all, and other people just kind of look at him like, yeah, okay, don't believe it if you don't want. Just like everybody else in the city doesn't want to believe it too. Right. Including the police and everything. Although I'd say that they're a little bit more open to it in this movie than most fucking detective agencies. (laughs) Uh, But I think it's mostly because of Wilson's character. Yeah. But I just like that scene in particular. I thought it was a really good scene. Mm Mm-hmm. I like the scene when they were, they were at the abandoned church and they were doing a stakeout, the two of them. And uh, they were, like, on the other side of the buildings, but they could watch each other. Oh, right before Gregory dies. Yeah. And, uh... Whittington what, or whatever. Whittington, uh, they were... He was getting bored, so he, like, pulled down his pants, even though he was <laughs> naked earlier. But then we got a full moonshot of him. That scene yeah. was really funny, because then it got really serious. Because he was like, hey, man, over here. <laughs> he's got his pants down. He's like, look, black moon rising. <laughs> 
<laughs> it was pretty funny, you know, and, and like, you know, Dewey's character is so like not a funny guy. Yeah. And unaffected by it yeah. at all. Even though he absolutely fucking adores Gregory for that, that he also thinks of him as like an idiot for doing that. Right. Um. Yeah. He's ultra serious in this movie. So, but yeah, Gregory dies and that scene was pretty, pretty messed up. But a lot of the deaths, man, they were like getting people getting punctured in the fucking throat. Yeah. Like we forgot to mention like what happened in the very beginning. Um, The one the the limo driver gets his hand torn off and then gutted the woman who has pearls around her necklace, which is very symbolic of opulence. Uh-huh. I think that was very intentional in the book, probably uh-huh. and probably put in the in the book and in the movie for the same reason, because the werewolves rip her head off almost. Right. It's like just barely on there. Right. And did you hear the guy? In the, did you hear Gregory in the beginning? What do you say? He's like, this one's done. You can wrap her up. And uh, he's like, just be careful. Mm. Just be careful of her head. And you hear a thud thud on the ground <laughs> <laughs> because he talks about how her head's cl- almost completely ripped right. off. It's completely decapitated. Decapitated. <laughs> uh, and then the other guy who looks a lot like, um, what's his name from Twin Peaks? The dad that's always crying all the time. Right. He looks exactly like, almost exactly like, like him. A, yeah. Uh, he gets gutted, right? Yeah, completely. He gets stabbed from... Oh, his brain gets sucked out. Uh-huh. That was one thing that they did point out that I think they should have pointed out a little bit earlier and found out is that each one of these victims were dying. So the cool thing about the story is that they were treating these human beings as like mercy kills, the, the mythical creatures, the wolfen, kind of like how we would kill a deer that is caught in a trap mm-hmm. or, you know, couldn't take care of itself. So we put it out of its misery. Mm-hmm. The wolfen had that vibe about it oh. and treated humanity beneath it in the same regard. Right. Even though they were pushed to the outer fringe. Right. Because it, against their own nature, they weren't murderers. They were, they did things out of mercy. Mm-hmm. So by the end of the movie, when they go up to the top of the, the tower where the company that's regentrifying everything goes up there, he says to the wolf, you know, I'll put down my gun because three of them show up and he smashes the diorama of the building plans. Oh, that's right. To symbolically let them know I'm not going to let them build over your land. Right. Even and though then, good luck trying. Yeah. Yeah. How much money do you have? Yeah, exactly. Like, what are you going to do, buddy? Yeah. Um. And then the wolves, like, backed off. Yeah, they like, howl, and okay. then they go off, and it's like... See you later. <laughs> a little bit of a weak ending, but I do like kind of the idea that these things are smarter than us. Yeah. And you just don't think of it that way because of how they kill. Mm-hmm. And you don't realize that they're killing people that are sick with something, mm-hmm. and they've removed the part that they're sick. The guy had brain cancer, she had throat cancer, or something like that, wasn't it? Like yeah, each, each of them like or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, we do have another movie that we want to talk about. I uh, would love to hear what you guys, some of your favorite scenes in that movie. If you've seen Wolfen, by the way, but we do have another movie to talk about. And that movie is Dr. Giggles. <laughs> Sorry. Sound like the Doughboy there. I look like the Doughboy there. I'm just <laughs> so Dr. Giggles is 
A movie from 1992 that came out. It is about a madman who believes he's a doctor, comes to the town where his crazy father was killed, and soon begins murdering people and becoming infatuated with a teenage girl who has a heart condition. Sorry, tagline, sorry, the doctor is in sane. <laughs> so this is a movie that is directed by Manny Koto. Manny Koto has done other horror films in the past, including one called Playroom, which was a really, really weird film that I remember when I was watching when I was younger. He also did some Dexter episodes. Some of the stuff he did, he did uh, work on Monsters, a movie called Playroom, a movie uh, called Cover Up. He also did uh, about, he did one episode in Tales from the Crypt, which landed him this movie. And he also did the movie Star Kid, if you guys remember that movie. Um, real silly kids movie that was really odd. He also uh, wrote this movie as well on top of it. So he's also a known writer. He had a little bit of help from uh, a guy named Graham Whit Whiffler, who uh, also worked on the film. He did the Neighborhood Watch movie, Sunny Boy, and a few others. He actually... Um, he also worked on Icky Flicks, which was from The Residence, which Nick is such a big fan of, by the way. Mm-hmm. You know, the one with the eyeball and shit, like the crazy band. Oh. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, or? no, okay. I don't. We also have uh, some of the some of the people that were in this movie um, who worked on this movie are Larry Drake, who plays Dr. Giggles. He was obviously in Darkman, you know, the trilogy and stuff, which they brought him back in part three, I think it was again. Uh, where he played Durant, which he was a mobster in it. He was also in Karate Kid, actually, as some Yahoo. He's, like, unnamed in the movie. He even did some, like, voice acting in the Star Wars Force Unleashed, Dead Air, quite a few other films as well, but those should be well enough to recognize him. We also get Holly Marie Combs, who apparently never really did anything before this, and then she got into Charmed. You know, she plays the main girl who has a heart condition in this. And she went on to play Piper in the Charm series, which is crazy. She's been all over the news recently because they just did a convention and they had a Charm reunion with Rose McGowan right. and Shannon Doherty. Crazy that we watched this movie and it came out at the same time, too. Yeah. But Picket Fences was another one that she did as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was her next job, as a matter of fact, after this film. Mm-hmm. She was kind of blowing up at the time, but she also did, you know, like Grey, uh, Grey's Anatomy and Pretty Little Liars and a few other things. We also get uh, Cliff DeYoung in here, who <laughs> is in Carnosaur 2, if you remember. <laughs> he was also in The Hunger, The Craft, Glory, Shock Treatment, a ton of other stuff. Um, we also get Glenn Quinn, who uh, plays Max, the boyfriend in it. He was uh, in Angel. He played Alan Doyle. He died, remember? He died early on. Uh, he died tragically early on. Um, I think I forget when. In the show? During the show. Oh. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Wait, the, him as a person died or the character? As a person, Christina, oh, okay. yes. Okay, I don't know. You, you were like, he was an angel and he died. Uh, like, what? What? Like. Yeah, he does. He uh, passed away December 3rd, 2002. Oh. And the show went on until 2004. Uh-huh. Because it was a spinoff from. Buffy. Yeah, exactly. He was also in Roseanne and a few other things like R Wing versus the Fighter and Covington Cross and a few other things that you've probably forgotten since then. We also have the Deputy Officer Joe Wrights, played by Keith Diamond, 
who was in Awakenings, which is a movie that I haven't seen in a long time. Uh, Lupin Three. He was also in Desert Saints, Pig, Burn Notice, and a bunch of other stuff. We also have Michelle Johnson, who uh, we recognize from Death Becomes Her, Far and Away. She was in Waxwork as the girlfriend in, uh, she was China in the, the Waxwork movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, she she went on to do a lot of different stuff, but uh, yeah, it was kind of cool seeing her in this. Nancy Fish, who um, played the nosy neighbor in the movie, who does a really good job of just being that like overly kind of cunty. <laughs> <laughs> she's really good in this movie she does <laughs> like her death scene is pretty fucked up too like mm-hmm. she was in howard the duck as a, a homeless bag lady <laughs> she was in the mask as mrs peenman she was also in like sun and impact the exorcist three she was the nurse one of the nurses that's really bitchy in the fucking movie Oh, okay. Really good actress in that regards. Um, you know, she's just really good at that. Also, when last but not least, I'm not going to mention everybody in this movie, but there's that one guy who had the curly hair and the hat all the time, Darren Heems, who I always recognize from, and I can't, I'm it's like trying to figure out what he was from. He plays Stu in this movie, uh, but he's done movies like he did Sons of Anarchy. He was big in that. CBGB, he did Jonah Hex, Dirty Beautiful, Cloud So High, Let Us In, and so much more. Also, the movie practical effects were done by Greg Nicotero, Frank Canby Effects, uh, on this movie in particular. And you have Brian May, who did the music in this, who was in Flash Gordon, Bohemian Rhapsody, Highlander. He did, he's done everything. Mm -hmm. This guy's done music in everything. He was writing. Like, he probably had, like, 100 projects in one year one time. Like, it's that ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like, it's crazy how much stuff he's, like... I mean, I'm being a little sarcastic, but he had, like, 30 fucking projects in one year. Right. That's insane. Like, mm-hmm. that's insane work ethic right there. So, um, this movie was done on a $7 million budget, and it made about 8.4 at the box office. Christina, what are your thoughts on this fine family film? I thought I've seen this before, and I guess I've never seen this before. Why did I think it was about a dentist? What's the, the movie about the dentist? Uh, the dentist? Oh, are you fucking serious? <laughs> yeah, it's very similar. Though. Oh, my God. Why did I think? I don't know what the fuck I was thinking. So I got a little bit confused at the beginning. I didn't know what I was doing. But yeah, it was good. It's a good 90s movie. Yeah. I like the cheese and like there's so many one liners and I and Alex wrote them all down. So we're going to go all we're going to go over all the one liners with you. Mm-hmm. Um, He you know, it's pretty much a slasher movie. Um, also, I want to mention real quick before you get into it. I think part of the reason that you um, are comparing the two, and that's kind of apropos in a way, is because I feel like he has a Brian Usna style, who Brian Usna did the Dennis 1 and 2. Okay. Very um, EC comic style um, filming. Oh, okay. Which is like Tales from the Crypt and like... Oh, okay. Brian Usna did a lot of different movies like that, and he did the Dennis 1 and 2. Okay. And they're very similar in tone. Very oh, similar. This. So Okay, maybe that's why I thought, but whatever. That's fine. It's a pretty good point out, actually. So, you know, if you've seen those movies, you might like this. Right. Uh, But yeah, it's pretty much... It's a good slasher movie, like a funny... It's a funny slasher movie. I agree. Um, You pretty... I also like, like... I'm not spoiling anything, but, you know, a lot of people die, so you don't really know, like, who's going to survive, which I like. Yeah. You know, and then... uh. Well, there's some tropes. Yeah. And you also, so you also don't know, like, who's going to save the girl, even though 
it might have been more forward thinking if they let her save herself. I mean, she punched some guy. She she punched him a couple times, but <laughs> it was very apparent like a man needed to be there for her. Right. Well, she is but. a woman. <laughs> Just totally Horrible. Kidding. Totally kidding. Horrible. <laughs> so that kind of stood out to me, obviously. But yeah, other than that, it was fun. I liked it. I'll give it a seven. That's it? You're not yeah. going to say anything more about it? That's all you had to say? The acting was good. Uh, who plays the guy? The doctor, was he was really good in this. I'm, I hope, yeah. Oh, Drake? Yeah, he was really good in this. He's he's a good Dr. Giggles. Oh, yeah, I agree. It's really funny, though. It has a lot of, like, Joker. So what did you think of the whole it? movie? Like, was it fast-paced? Was it slow-paced? Did you like the jokes? Is it not? Yeah, I Come said on. I like the jokes. It's a lot of one-liners. It was funny. I'm trying to get the more mu- out of the you mu- here. The music was good. Okay. Like, it was a slasher. Okay. Like, the set was good. <laughs> okay. There's a really cool scene in a fun house I liked. Okay. That was shot really well. What'd you think? Oh, okay. Well, uh, it's since I'm going to go on next. I don't know. I just wanted to, I think people want to know what you think. And you're like, yeah, it's a good movie. I, I thought it, it went from start to finish. And uh like, what's his name in it? Pretty cool That's acting and funny. Okay. What about you, Alex? I'm fine. <laughs> I'm just giving you shit, baby. I love you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, no, I, I actually uh, kind of enjoyed this. It was a nice, refreshing watch because it's really easy to watch. You know, it does. It, it kind of starts to lack and sort of dissolve the humor and stuff like that by the end of the movie kind of goes on for a little bit too long kind of feeling there's the constant uh is he dead yet kind of thing the the trope in that um there are a lot of neighborly tropes and a lot of the same tropes you see in a lot of these films so it's nothing like overly original but there are some like lore things in the movie that the the character derives from and what what his father's like story is that's kind of interesting and dark and really fucked up that they mix in with this like kind of funny tongue-in-cheek sort of like you know one-liner fucking movie it's definitely a comedy horror film uh it does have some pretty good practical effects in it and like deaths and things like that but we're not talking like major like gore gore film here but it is heavier than most films i would say and you do get to see some pretty awkward deaths like things that happen to people and then him delivering a one line um (laughs) which in the beginning you know like at least the first half was like great the last half eh, not so much wasn't that great it does kind of wind down and the it seems like the the when the writing was being written it was like kind of rushed like they could have come up with better lines, but it starts off really strong with these oh, one-liners. Yeah. You know, very reminiscent stuff to something like you would see in action, last action hero, or a fucking action movie. Only with you know the horror movie slasher tropes that Freddy would say. You mm-hmm. know, like you know, it's just kind of silly. His backstory is kind of funny. Um, and kind of dark, like it really goes some pretty dark places Mm -hmm. and you find out what that is by the like second, the end of the second act. And it really, that's where things, people start dying a little bit more, you know, faster and faster and faster. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't think it's a bad movie at all. Like I really kind of enjoyed it. The pacing of it, obviously it's not filmed as well as something like Wolfen. Mm-hmm. 
but it's still very competently shot in a different style than Wolfen. Uh, so it's not really necessarily better or worse in that department. Like this one is done in that very Tales from the Crypt style, and it was in it was done intentionally so. Like he really wanted to make this movie be like an EC Comics creep show type uh, story with that tone involved in it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So that, that makes sense. I think it probably he he nailed it. When it comes to that, I just think that this movie kind of done a little bit better by the end of the movie. It's nothing to like rave about, but it's also not a movie that you should forget. You know, mm -hmm. like I feel like it's got enough in there to just be enjoyable to watch and not have to expect too much. You could just throw it on, enjoy it while watching it or while chilling with your friends and just kind of laughing at some of the deaths and stuff. Larry Drake's fucking performance in it is fantastic. He's a natural for this position and this this particular character. It's perfect. If you liked him in Dark Man one and three, you're gonna love him in this. Especially if you liked him in Dark Man, the first one. Mm -hmm. I think it's more of a performance from that. Although there is some sillier shit like they did in the third one of Dark Man. So but if you like Larry Drake from those movies, you gotta see this one. Oh yeah. Because there's this is probably like one of his other best films. You totally, know? totally. So um I don't know. I think the the characters I really didn't give a shit about. I didn't think the lead actress was any good and her boyfriend was kind of weak too. Yeah. Um, I really didn't really care about them all that much. I mean, granted Even with her heart condition. <laughs> right. Yeah, like I just didn't care. Right. It didn't make me feel like I cared. Cliff DeYoung in it, her father, he's just, just like randomly in it. Uh, his girlfriend, right. and it just doesn't make sense, like the two of them together at all. No, like, <laughs> but whatever, you know. Like for the sake of the movie, it is very '90s. So if you like the '90s, this is definitely a staple in the '90s that you could probably turn on at any point in time. I'd say it's about a seven out of ten, maybe six point five at the lowest. But I think it's worth watching, and I'll watch it again for sure. Mm -hmm. Like it's it's just a fun little silly film that you can put on without any expectations i'm sure they probably would have wanted to go in a sequel route if they could but i don't think it was strong enough to do so and right. i think it's as it's good on its own yeah it is it would have gotten a little Stand too alone. ridiculous yeah it would have gotten if it would have came back right because and... it's just you're gonna run out of material uh with this kind of thing because it's so shtick you know, like the yeah, stick the, of it is just so kind of like, eh. And the ending was like never ending. Yeah, I kind of so, was like over it by the time the, yeah. the the first fake ending was. You know, there's yeah. multiple fake endings here. Yeah. Uh, sorry, to, not to spoil anything, but it's just kind of one of those movies that kind of drags on. So, but I still like it. And it's surprising that this hasn't had a Blu-ray release yet. Yeah, it is you kind know? of surprising. So I'm glad I have it. And thank you, Ryan, for getting it for us. Uh, so you said, what did you say, seven? You said seven? Yeah. Oh, so we both said seven. So oh. seven out of ten from both of us. Which makes it a seven. <laughs> really? It's so weird. I don't know, oh, my God. Math is so complicated. I don't know. Some people don't know fractions <laughs> at all. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So yeah, if you want to check it out, you can get the Blu-ray if you want. I mean, it's. I, I honestly think it's worth having in your collection if you haven't actually owned it before i think it was fun it's not my favorite slasher um by by a mile but it's a lot of fun and it's not in even like the so bad it's good style it flows pretty well 
You know, like it's actually kind of interesting film, except for the last third of the movie gets a little, little, little too much. Mm-hmm. If you want to rent this, you can for like three bucks in all the digital marketplaces or just like I said, pick it up on Blu-ray. You can get it now. But other than that, here is your warning for our spoiler section. <laughs> got a little bit of trivia on this. We won't get into too, too much, but there are some one-liners we got to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'll just tell you a little bit about this. So now Manny Cotto, who is the director, by the way, he said that he caught the eye of the producers for an episode of Tales from the Crypt called Morning Mass. He had done earlier horror movies, like I mentioned, Playroom which I almost paired with this movie for this week, mm-hmm. but I just couldn't find a legit copy. Uh, There's one online if you want to check it out. It's it's okay. It's got Shooter McGavin in the movie. Uh, <laughs> who's that? Shooter McGavin from Cappy Gilmore. Oh, okay. The villain in the movie, so to speak. Oh, okay. I just call him Shooter McGavin because I can't think of his name. It's like uh-huh. McClintock or something like Patrick McClintock something or something. I can't remember. Uh, but I wasn't prepared for that to say. But he's in the movie and he plays like this weird kind of evil looking guy. Um, but they did a Tales from the Crypt episode called something like Messy Morning or something like that. And between that and his student film, Jack in the Box, they loved him so much. They wanted him to do a feature film, which at the time was not called Dr. Giggles, but Mr. Giggles. And oh. the story was more of a guy who was kind of like monitoring an entire neighborhood with cameras in their houses and stuff like that all over the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like that 13 cameras movie. If you ever seen that movie mm-hmm. where the guy's like, you know, like killing people and like monitoring them on all of his televisions and stuff mm-hmm. through video cameras everywhere. But it was really just in his house. But anyway, that's what his character was supposed to be like. His dad was a doctor in the movie, but he turned out to be some sort of electrician that wanted to spy on people. And so oh, okay. when Manny Cotto got the, the fucking script, he was like, well, I've actually had family members who are doctors. So oh. maybe I can kind of change the script around a little bit. And uh, he did. The first draft was super serious, very uh, straightforward, serious. And they were like, no, 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 no. We want a more, you know, nowadays slasher type film. Mm-hmm. So a little fun in there and he was like okay so the part that they kept that he said was like very dire and different was the part about where young dr giggles his dad and is crying over his mother uh-huh and they oh start laughing he starts they both start laughing and that's uh-huh. what starts dr giggles you know like that's what makes him oh. laugh at death and it kind of like sets into him and yeah, you know, like he's so impressive. He he groomed him to be a fucking uh, murderer. So did it? Does it say in the original script? Because after that part where they started laughing, um, uh, oh well, th- th- there's a scene in the morgue with the the mother. That's what I'm getting to. Oh, okay. Yeah, I haven't gotten there yet. Okay. Um, so like it starts him laughing, and then the, when his mother died or whatever, they were gonna take away his son or something like that. So he buried him. He literally sewed up his child inside the inside of his mother. And then the kid breaks out of his mother <laughs> in this fucking crazy scene. That was crazy. Yeah, that was, that was so, so cool. that was the original sort of story. The darker thing that they kept in there, <laughs> which I really kind of like. I'm like, that's actually really fucked up. Yeah, it is fucked up. Uh, it's, it's it's I could see that in a darker Dr. Giggles. You know what I mean? Like, and it'd be interesting if there's ever a remake to do of Dr. Giggles and they did it in a serious way this time. Uh-huh. But I don't think people could really enjoy it as much because of the jokes. Right. Um, 
even though they kind of wane over the period of her time. But yeah. Yeah. So I just want to explain that to kind of like give you guys an idea of what that was. But he changed the script to make it a little bit more fun. And I, I think it kind of probably did it better. But it'd be kind of interesting to see where the, the darker side went. He also was a huge, you know, horror fan. And Manny Cotto also loved comic books as well. So he was into Dark Horse comics. Mm-hmm. And there is an actual two two comic book series, a prequel of Dr. Giggles out oh. there. Yeah, the Dark Horse did. So uh-huh. you can actually get the story of him and his father. Oh, wow. Yeah, pretty interesting. Larry Drake was always up for the part of Dr. Giggles, and uh, he was his first choice. But you want to hear, funny enough, who we were just talking about last episode, and funny enough, of course, coincidences around this kind of type of work, you're always going to bump into him. You're going to guess who they uh, almost cast as the Dr. Giggles. Oh, I can't remember who we were talking about last week. The guy who played Max Hedrum, Matt Frower, Matt Frower, Frower. Yeah. And what was he in? He was Max Hedrum. I da, 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 the guy in the TV that. Oh, okay. remember I was talking okay. about the yeah, Pepsi yeah, yeah. last month, last oh, week. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So he almost Pepsi. got cast into it, but they That'd couldn't, they couldn't get enough money for him because he was kind of popular. Right. Sort of. I think he was asking too much, maybe. Probably. <laughs> so, but Larry picked it up and he knew exactly. He just got the character immediately. So, literally, the director was like, I barely had to direct him. He was like, the only thing that I had to do was he, in the, in the beginning of us doing this character and kind of studying it, he had this little voice that he was going to do. And he was like, I had to stop him and go, hey, man, like, I think you're just, you're overthinking it a little bit here. I think if you just act yourself and do your, uh, do a uh, version of that like talking your normal voice, it'll be better. Oh, I see. And so Larry Drake was like, yeah, okay, I'll try that. And then he did, and it just worked. Right. So instead of doing, hi, I'm Drake, it would have been too much. Yeah, it would have. So he really, he was really glad that that worked out that way. He's like, I think he just kind of came around to it, you know. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to make it seem like he told him because he just kind of suggested it. And I think just Larry Drake is just a, a good actor when it mm-hmm. comes to that because he's like, okay, well, let's do what we, let's, let's figure it out a way. Picks it up fast. Yeah. Uh, this was actually shot in Oregon near a factory on the train tracks, which they thought was the perfect setting for like this underground <laughs> Except for hospital. when the trains went by. Exactly. So while they were shooting many multiple times, they, they had to redo the scene over and over and over again because whenever there was time for the trains to go by, they had to wait for like 20 minutes. Just like when you have a backyard wedding where there's an airport. <laughs> yeah, like for our friend John. <laughs> yeah. They had to stop speaking about their wonderful like How they vowels met. and everything. Yeah. <laughs> right in the middle because a jet was coming by. Yeah, big old <laughs> Um, But yeah, so I thought that was interesting. Uh, Manny also wanted to do this whole, like I mentioned, the EC comic thing. And I think he really did a good job on that. Uh, in the end, if you look at it, you can see very Tales from the Crypt-esque stuff in this. Mm-hmm. this the camera's tilted on its side, you know, like a lot of shots like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, do you want to talk about some of your favorite one-liner? Just one. You name one and I'll name one. Okay, right at the beginning, I really like that scene where I thought it was just a hospital. I didn't realize until it was an insane asylum until, like, the cops showed up. Right. Um, which is really fun. And so, there's, like, a... A surgery room with a overlook thing 
Yeah, it's the, where they teach people to how to do surgery on yeah. stuff. Yeah, and he was like, "Let's open this baby up, like before he cut into her." Right. Well, they do the whole. Um, they had the visual effects where there's it's like you're floating around in this person's bloodstream, and then it goes up, and you see Doctor Giggles yeah. from the wound, and you think he is like the doctor. Right. It is a little confusing. Yeah. I, that is a cool little opener. Like right. I really did like that because you don't. But then it's like, how did he end up in the insane asylum? Like, yeah, and why he went missing? Well, the thing is, is like I was thinking, like, well, wait a second, why isn't this guy getting a gown on, and why is he just letting him die? You <laughs> yeah, know? like what the fuck? I was like, is this just a regular doctor, and he just went crazy? Right, and he, and this this is the part where I like is after that, it's where he's like, okay, now it's time to get messy or something like that. Yeah, and then he laughs, and that's where you hear the signature giggle, and. Then it cuts to the... The nurse or receptionist. Yeah, like all the people who run the director of the hospital or the, the insane asylum or whatever. And they're like, hey, um, you know, uh, we're missing a patient. When in the, You kind of gather that Dr. Giggles, he goes by Dr. Giggles. Like, nobody knows his name, but that's his, like, you know, blah, 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 blah. He goes by that. And then you see this nurse that she's, like, sitting at the counter by herself. And then you see these hands come over her shoulders and start grabbing her breasts. And she's like, oh, doctor, you know, whatever your name is, Dr. Bob. Oh, God, this isn't really the place for it. But I mean, uh, and he's like, and then she's like, you see her face turn pale and then she sees blood on her hands and she turns around and Dr. Giggs is like, eh, he should have probably kept his hands to himself. And he's holding two decapitated arms. Arms. <laughs> I was like, yes, that's great. Yeah, it was funny. That's one of my favorite ones. Laughter's the best medicine. Yeah, well, he's got a ton of other ones. What other what other scene do you like? Or one liner? You think that's bad? Wait till you get the bill. This was after he cut somebody up with a bone saw. (laughs) Um, I love the part where the neighbor comes by to to see what's going on in that house because she realizes that there's like screams coming out of it in there. Oh, um, the poodle, her and her poodle. Yeah, and he he like goes to her house and he like gives her like you know, an innocuous checkup, like it's not even harmful at all. And he's just kind of toying with her and she's in this chair and he like has her open up her mouth mm-hmm. and, and he jams the nostril scope. It's called a, a otoscope, I think, mm-hmm. up her nose with the light. And he's like, now you might feel a little bit of pressure. <laughs> he's like, ah, I see, the, I see the problem now. And after she's dead, uh, and I was like, oh my god, I'm gonna name one more. It's with the girl, the girlfriend, the father's girlfriend. Did you? Is that one that you were gonna pick? No, I, I, I can't find any more. So Jen comes home after she, her boyfriend is. Uh, they get into an argument, and she bit ditches him at the, uh, the carnival or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, no, no, no. I'm getting confused because there's there's two. Yeah, okay, that's the one. I'm I'm thinking of Jen's friend who tries to hook up with her boyfriend. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then he, they run. She runs from Doctor Giggs, and he finds her outside chasing uh, to a nearby house, and then she kicks him and and gets away. It seems, but he like sticks a thermometer in her mouth. Mm-hmm. Isn't that the one? Yeah, let me take your temperature. Yeah, let me take your temperature. He's like, I think we figured out how to solve the common cold. And then he jams the spike into her, under her tongue, dude. Yeah. Into her neck, her spine. And then he's like, now you're going to want to leave that in there for a minute or two. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. 
It was really annoying to me the whole catching your boyfriend cheating on you and then him like having to come and save you. Like that oh, yeah. annoyed me just because the 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 other girl got killed. Well, I think they had bigger fish to fry. She probably just went along with it because like it's not worth dying over. Yeah. Like yeah. so they were he was like at least trying to help her not die. Right. Cuz he felt bad cuz he's a dumbass. Right. Well, she kept falling down and having heart problems. <laughs> you, so I mean, like Did you see it when they they were in the fun house like when she was leaving the fun house scene? She fell twice. Yeah. I was like, dumb bitch. I think she's falling twice because of her heart. That's the problem. Oh. She's not supposed to get active. Remember, that's why she's wearing the heart monitor. And I was laughing. Yeah, (laughs) heart problem, she dumb bitch. No, that's really what they were trying to do. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I really like that funhouse scene when they were in the mirrors. Yeah. And then they, they they were like... Really like running into the fucking window and shit. That was so funny. I was laughing. Oh, the girl runs into yeah, the, it. Yeah. There's one girl who like slams it. Oh yeah, because her nose started bleeding because she. Yeah, that's where he the sticks window. the thing in her mouth. Yeah, yeah. that was fun. Also, like the scene where the where the the dad's girlfriend or whatever is like, he's like, I gotta go find her, and you gotta chill out. Like, I need to get her. Like, she needs help. Her mom just died. Mm-hmm. She was like, she, your wife just died. Doesn't that bother you? And he's like. It's like kind of like a dick thing to say. Right. But anyway, she's eating ice cream and she's crying about it or whatever. And he was like, oh, too much sugar. You know, too much sugar. You know, we're going to. It's a lot of fat. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of fat that you're eating there, you know. <laughs> and uh, he's like, we'll fix that. Well, you know, and he jams this thing into her mouth. Uh, and he's like, I'm going to empty your stomach with this pump to clean out all the bad stuff. And he's like, I know. I know. It sucks. As the white ice cream turns red. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like it just like kills her i guess because of that i thought that was really funny it's stupid but it's like you know i don't know there's something charming about it in some weird dumb way you know uh-huh. um but by the end man they, these fight scenes and stuff with each other they just drag on and on and on mm-hmm. once with max then with the officer and then like you know everybody's dying you know you think anyway like like the dad almost dies. The mm-hmm. the sheriff dies or whatever because he like gets stabbed in the back of the head with a fucking knife or whatever, like a surgical knife. Mm-hmm. He turns around. He's like, "You owe me for thirty five years of bad sleep." <laughs> like, okay, oh my gosh. that's what you want to say is your last dying words. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'd be like, "Fuck you, you fucking laughing clown," or some <laughs> shit. You know, I wouldn't say what he said, but at all. Anything else you want to talk about? or I like the flashbacks of him, too, which we pretty much talked about. Those are dark. Yeah, those were, yeah, that was the dark shit. Yeah, and, like, it really, it really, I feel like you could have, like, I think they were put in there in the right spots, but, yeah, it was really dark. And then the teenagers, like, going to the abandoned house, like, his abandoned house and him being yeah, there. I love, yeah, oh, they wait, just. Oh, they locked, so the teenagers go into the abandoned house. There's four of them, right? I love that he gets out the day that they end up going to that house. So convenient. Yeah, very conveniently they go to the house while he's in there shaving in the basement. Mm-hmm. They're upstairs in the in the top. And uh, go ahead. Oh, so two of the kids lock two of the other kids in a room? 
Yeah. They tell the story about how the child, they never found the child when the doctor went crazy and killed the mom or whatever. And then... uh, Well, because the dad actually was um, murdering people. He was doing experiments on people. So, yeah. So, they, you know, it was the whole folklore thing and they did so they so they locked them in that room so they're freaking out and then the other two kids took off and then of course dr giggles actually shows up um and stabs one of them through the door right uh well he they do a trick they do a fake out which i thought was cool Mm -hmm. it's the guy from eight-legged freaks right and cool runnings that's in this with the dreads or whatever i guess so i forgot to mention that's dougie doug by the way he does a fake out where he looks through the eye hole and he's like, oh my God, my eye, my eye. And the girl's like, what the fuck? And then he's like, I'm just kidding. And then he gets stabbed in the ass with some. Oh, that's right. Some sort of, uh, I don't know what it was, but it made him like bleed out of the mouth instantly. Yeah, he and injected die. him with something. Through yeah. the keyhole. Yeah, yeah. Through the butt. Yeah. And then she got it too. And then another scene I liked was when the other, so the other couple goes to his house. And um, the the little brother is sitting on the floor playing video games. Oh, God. So they sneak upstairs, you know, so they could do it. He does the ice cream thing. That's the ice cream thing when he does that. And What's Oh, no, that? no, you're right. You're right. Because he goes upstairs and kills the girlfriend. And then the guy goes into the bed and he's like, what did he say to him? He So Dr. Giggles is under the sheets. So the other guy, the other teenager, like, doesn't know and thinks it's the other teenage girl. So the teenage guy, like, goes underneath the sheets and and then you see dr giggle under the sheets you see what did he say yeah he makes her dress up in lingerie or whatever and then she goes into the bed while he goes to put on a condom for like 20 minutes and then drops it in the toilet yeah like he's she's like if i'm getting dressed up you're getting dressed up i'm like why would you put a condom on unless until the moment you were going to use it because and when he dropped it in the toilet i thought it was funny he was fishing it out with a toothbrush it's like just you're putting it on your dick, dude. Just pick it up with your hands. Yeah. <laughs> you're fishing it out. But like, yeah, that's the one I think he stabs her in the mouth with the thermometer under the tongue. And then the dude gets in the bed and he's like, I hope you have protection. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what he said. That and was the funny. camera starts swirling. Uh-huh. And then Dr. Giggles goes back downstairs and sees the kid playing video games and he just like shakes his head. He's like, terminal terminal and then he just leaves yeah he's like because the kid's so brain dead from it he's like there's no point in killing him he's already dead it's like come on dr giggles don't be a game hater (laughs) don't be one of those guys um what'd you think of the ending and you know it's okay i don't know I mean the multiple endings yeah he gets up multiple times that was kind of annoying yeah i thought it was annoying when she was in the hospital and they're like okay well we're gonna give you surgery now because he was supposed to be dr giggles was supposed to be dead right so no instead he he fakes out and he starts killing everybody to get to her right and then they end up in oh no there was the did they go to their house the basement first and then they went to the hospital yeah yeah. Because there was like the waiting room to die for. Oh, where yeah. All of the victims he killed, he set up in like this sort of like Beetlejuice way in the, the waiting room. <laughs> totally. You know? And I was like, oh, God. But that's, yeah, they go to the doc, they go to the hospital and you think it's over and she's got to have her heart problem, you know, so mm-hmm. it's not over yet. And then, of course, he pops up out of nowhere with a burned face and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Starts killing all the doctors and one of the nurses sees blood under the door and is like, oh, shit, here he is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, 
she has some pretty funny lines though you know but it's a little too much you know what i mean yeah. like jen she's like she's like trying to get away from him and then she smashes some stuff around his feet and like he like he said is it my bedside manner and she was like it's time to take your medicine as she smashes some liquid on the floor and shocks the floor and she's like try some of your own medicine and then he gets back up and he's like i don't feel well (laughs) and she's like take two and call me in the morning and stabs him in the chest with the two fucking crazy instruments or whatever it's great (laughs) Uh, finally he's dead he looks at the camera too breaking the fourth wall like asking is there a doctor in the house (laughs) oh my god yeah like is there a doctor in a theater you know or whatever (laughs) silly (laughs) it was fun though i like it i think it's fun you know it's it it's like you know you could sit there and say that wolfen is one of those movies that's like way more classical style and it's definitely a higher talent than than something like Dr. Giggles. Mm-hmm. But Dr. Giggles is what Dr. Giggles is. And it's just meant to be fun. Right. So you can't compare it to another movie that's not necessarily supposed to be the same tone and go, oh, well, you know, you have to base it on its own style and its own thing that it's trying to do. And does it achieve that? And Wolfen is a little boring to me. Maybe it's, you know, higher than we scored it a little bit, but I still I enjoyed, you know. Right. Dr. Giggles more. Right. And that's just because I'm a low class clown and uh, my rating system is terrible. (laughs) Pure garbage. Pure garbage. So next week, we're going to be doing some really weird, probably weird as fuck fucking movies, by the way. So it's probably going to be on our weird as fuck wonders uh, category. Uh, One of them is called Rat Boy. And uh, we'll see if it is. You'll know by (laughs) whether or not we put this on the. Weird as fuck wonders list. We'll see. So we got Rat Boy from 1986, which is this irreverent comedy about a rat boy who like tries to integrate himself back into the world and they find him. And it's this sort of Louis Anderson's in this film. Like, uh, you know, like Louis Anderson, like what the fuck? And quite a few other people are in it. It's a comedy sort of thing. It's not really a horror movie, but there is another movie that is called Rat Man from 1988 that we're going to be doing too, which is a horror movie from Italy done in Italian American filmmaking uh, about a fucking killer rat man who goes around and tears people up. I got that on DVD last week. Um, so, and I think you can watch that on YouTube as well. Both of them are on. So, you got Rat Boy from 1986 and Rat Man from 1988, the sequel where he goes and kills everybody, I guess. <laughs> no, it's not really. <laughs> it's really kind of ridiculous and uh, kind of, it's going to be a funny episode, guys. So, I would highly recommend you check those out if you're interested in some weird films and uh, just to have fun, you know? I think it'll be a good time you know italian horror is always kind of fun and seeing some of these weird films Ratman is one that i have been meaning to see for literally a decade now or longer mm-hmm. i've known about it for a very 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 long time i got an ebay dvd unsealed copy and had to have it because i just like weird shit so uh-huh. rat boy i didn't buy but you can find it on youtube for sure a full copy on there by the way and if you can also if you want to rent it to show support please do but yeah, so those are the two movies for next week. Rat Man, Rat Boy, Rat Boy First, 
and then Ratman, and then yeah, we'll let you know if it's weird as fuck. So if you want to catch it and watch along with us, that'd be great. If not, fuck you. Uh, <laughs> other than that, thank you guys so much for all your support this past week and for my birthday and everything like that. You guys rock. I love you. Thank you very much. And as always, along with the voice.